In order to become emotionally raw, you have to go through some type of trauma, right? And I'm not saying trauma is a bad thing. I think that and at the base level, trauma is what makes us better. Struggle, all these things. But you don't just sit there on the couch eating a bowl of cereal, watching TV, and become emotionally raw. <laughs> I mean, some, you know, you've got depression or something. Yeah, sure. But we put ourselves in that. We seek that out. We go, you go out to run three hours or bike six hours or whatever you want to do to, to, to expose that. We seek that out. And so I think if you were talking to the average person, they wouldn't understand at all what we're talking about. They're like, why would you want to do that? And you and I are like, why wouldn't you want to do that? <laughs> Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Tim Wagoner joins me today on the pod as I, BJ, take this one solo with my partner Jess, loving her life, leading a yoga retreat in Costa Rica, which I'll be joining next week. Um, I never thought boarding a plane in 2007 would shift my beliefs and goals, but it did just that. As I sat down in my aisle seat, as Jess and I do often when we travel. I know, no one likes the middle seat, right? I struck up a conversation with the stranger next to me. Turns out, the stranger raced Ironman Arizona too and was flying back to Boulder, where we were living at the time. And as we chatted, I picked up right away on the sense of confidence, belief, and a matter-of-factness. And I'd say you could call it truth. Well, that truth bomb was delivered when he asked me how my race went. And I replied, oh man, it was brutal. I ran a 4.30. He said so casually, why would you want to be out there that long? And this is the moment that shifted my mindset forever. Tim Wagoner was that stranger on the plane, and it was his last pro Ironman race. I was fortunate to share his return to Ironman racing in St. George, his first Ironman back in 15 years. A special moment between longtime friends and one that I wanted to capture for all our listeners. Tim, or Lucho as he's better known from the Endurance Planet podcast, who we host with our friend Tawny Prezak, has a wealth of experience and insight around endurance sports and training. Always thinking outside the box, he has reached the age of 50, still crushing miles and speedy track intervals. Tim, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's awesome to be here. Thank you. <laughs> it's so good to have you. And when I saw when I saw you had posted you were doing Ironman St. George on social. Um, which is always good to see you on social because you usually Rare. don't post that much. <laughs> I got super excited. Um, and I had signed up for that race too as the regular race. And I know you did you did as well. Um, and then it turned into the world championships, which is an, which was an even bigger, even bigger bonus. But um, yeah, I want to start this off. And I, I know we usually go deep here uh, at Yogi on the Yogi Trathy podcast, but when we were chatting, and I hope this is okay to share, when we were chatting um, for coffee before the race, you said that you wanted to to find your why. You didn't really know your why um, for race day. And I'm curious to know if you had unpacked that or had uncovered it. I think, I mean, if I look honestly, I already, I'd lost the why and I wasn't going to get it back. Like I shouldn't have probably done the race, if I'm being honest. Um, <clears throat> I originally signed up for St. George partly because I knew that it was a really difficult course. And in 2000, what was it, maybe 2011, 2012, they had it here. And it was just horrendous conditions and brutal, brutal course. And I and I thought to myself that if, if they ever bring that full back, that I would love to come out of retirement and do that. Um, and lo and behold, they did. And I had signed up thinking that I would do the race, qualify for Kona, arrogantly, right? <laughs> and <laughs> I'm just going to qualify for Kona. And then I could take my family to Hawaii and do Hawaii with my wife and, and kids. My sons are old enough now where they would appreciate it. Then they announced it as a world championships. And then they announced that Kona was going to be a double day. And there were going to be, there are going to be I don't know, 6,000 athletes with 20,000 spectators. And I was immediately turned off. I'm like, no, ain't going to do it. 
And so now that in- initial overall idea was just yanked out. And now I'm left with this Iron Man with no end goal, right? Like no, I mean, I've done seven, 18 now, 17, you've done 17. So finishing one, you've done it. Um, and there, things happened during this race that made it an exceptional for me. And I'll talk about that. But like going and doing an Ironman just to finish was, I retired because I was done with that. I didn't need to do that anymore. And so I went on to other challenges. And and so what it, all my, my whys sort of got taken away or I chose to change it. Um, and I realized throughout the year that I shouldn't be doing this. This is not right. <laughs> um, so how do you work with that? Is, we like to dive into that too. When you have the initial hit mm-hmm. and then the repercussions flood through as time goes on. So how do you, how do you, how do you work with that? How do you work with that? So the main thing that I dwelled upon was that I love training. And, and one of the initial reasons that I signed up was like, well, I'm going to be training a lot anyway, regardless of what I'm going to do. I, I, the, the track series that I do every year in Boulder because of the pandemic had been partially canceled. They weren't sure what they were going to do with it. So my track focus was kind of on hold. I'm like, well, I got to train. So I might as well do an Ironman. <laughs> and then, you know, it snowballed and I got this idea, like I'll do... St. George, I'll qualify, I'll go to Kona, on and on and on. Um, yeah, I was gonna, I, I love the training. And I love that more than the racing, for sure, except for track. Why is it track? I'm I, so that was my very first beginnings when I was 11 years old. I started racing on the track and did well. And I've always just loved stepping onto a track. It just does it for me. But understand too that I went, you know, I was ranked, I think, seventh in the U.S. in the 200 meters last year, two years ago. <laughs> in the 200 meters, 24 <laughs> seconds as a 48-year-old. Um, and so it's, it's 24 seconds. 24 seconds. Compared to what? what 10 I ran hours? four <laughs> hours and 34 minutes yesterday. <laughs> or I don't remember even my time. It was four-something. 24 seconds is what I was into. 55 if I do the 400. Ooh, it's a long one. Yeah. Um, and so that, that switch up was just a punch in the stomach. I realized almost immediately that this, this isn't good. You know, having to suddenly have this, and this is a really overriding principle that I discovered I didn't enjoy anymore, was the need, the, way, the, the feeling of waking up and having this fairly significant pressure to have to do something big, right? So when I, when I was training for the track, I would be like, oh, I'm going to go out and do, you know, for the 200 meters, I'd be, I'm going to go out and do six times 50 meters on my hill. That was it. Okay, I can do that. Give me 30 minutes, I'll, I'll have it done. And instead, it's waking up and realizing that I've got to drive an hour and 40 minutes round trip to the pool. I've got to do you know, 20 mile long runs. I've got to do the longest bikes I can and you have to do them. And I didn't like that (laughs) at all. And I didn't do it. (laughs) That's the problem. Um, yeah, yeah, it got, it got messy. Well, your mind recalled how things, you know, better, your mind knows better. You're going into an Ironman you know the things yeah. that need to, need to be accomplished to get to that. And so there's a lot of baggage with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was well known back in the day, back in the early 2000s, for doing an extraordinary amount of volume. <clears throat> it was my thing. Um, I had, you know, I trained with guys like Simon Lessing and Tim DeBoom to drop some names. Um, and they would always be like, dude, you're training too much. <laughs> and I was. but And so now I, I look... Yep, the training that I did in the last year, and it messed with me because I hadn't done what I thought I should do. Like I used to do 30 hours, 20K in the pool, um, 30-hour bike weeks, 30-hour bike weeks, just bike, um, you know. So, and so I, I didn't do any of that, and I'm like, I'm not going to do well. Oh, no, this isn't good. <laughs> That's a perfect place 
um, for exploration of how it you is. how you how you relate to yourself in the past, how you relate to yourself now, and then also where you want to see yourself going forward. So the going forward is very easy, and I think that that really lends itself to to a big reason why I did this. Um, I've always said that when as I got older, I'm 50 now, that I wanted to be able to do whatever I wanted to do, not limited by my physical ability, which you see so prevalent now. And that really bothers me. Be able to jump into an Ironman at 50 completely unprepared and do it. There's a lot of pride there. And I think my kids see that as well. Their dad, 50 years old, did an Ironman. Like that's profound for them going for the rest of their life. Um, but yeah, it, <laughs> that, that, that was the easy part. And what was the first part of your question? I'm sorry. Um... Was it the relationship to the baggage of the yes, past? Yeah, and that's really. Well, should I say baggage? I mean, we give oh, it's it a baggage. title. Okay. Yeah, I, I joke with my wife that I have a baggage carousel. <laughs> <laughs> like all my bags just come down and start rotating, and I just pick one. <laughs> we need to clean up that carousel. Oh, there, I don't know. I've tried, <laughs> and I, th- I, and yeah, Brock Armstrong. I don't know if you know Brock. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, he asked me right when I signed up, he's like, why are you doing this? This isn't going to do anything for you. He was brutally honest. He's like, this isn't going to get rid of any baggage for you. I was like, well, I'm going to try. And he was so spot on. Going back to fix something from the past is just never, it's, it's delusional. It is because it already happened. And it it already happened. It's already, right. It's already gone. You can't fix it. You have to let it go. You have to just. It happened. I'm going to learn from it. And now I'm going to try really hard not to do that again. That right there is, that is the work. It's letting it go. It's, it's easy for people to say, just let it go. Just, you know, just don't think about it. But it's that relentless, um, habitual practice that your mind has created that it just will focus on something for so much. Because what we focus on expands like mm-hmm. profoundly, millions and millions of times. So, yeah. To just let go of that baggage, and you've got a big carousel, so you've—it's actually you got to start chopping that up a little bit by a little bit if you want to make any headway into it. But you don't even have to make headway. I guess it's—I guess it's well. I guess you do if it's bringing it into your present moment. If you're trying to fulfill or correct something that has happened already, yeah, right. So how how are you? So. You have this thought, okay, I'm going to do Iron Man, and this will. And Brock called you on it and said, "This isn't gonna, this isn't gonna get what you want." So I think what I wanted to do. So I I did 17 Ironmans and I did well. My slowest Ironman out of 17 was 950. Um, had some really good results in there. I never enjoyed it. I never enjoyed the Ironman. I enjoyed the process of pushing myself to my absolute limits and doing well. It was all boiled down to that. It was very performance-based. Um, if I didn't have a good run, I hated it. I was angry at myself. And I pushed my... And that's part of the reason that I got hung up in that volume thing. Well, I just need to do more. And it just was... <laughs> and I know much better now. But um, it was very performance-based. And it still is. Like... When I'm not in shape at all and I go run and I'm, I feel terrible and I'm running slow, I don't enjoy that. I don't enjoy that act of running. It's not until I become fit enough where I can actually push myself and start seeing results that I start to enjoy it more. But you have to go through the moments of not feeling good while you're running to get Correct. to that point. Yep. And I actually, I, I do, in a weird way, I enjoy that. I enjoy going for a run, seeing that I'm out of shape, and it fires me up. It just motivates me to do more. And I enjoy that rebuild. I've always enjoyed the rebuild. Just knowing that I'm going to be good in X number of months. But you like it because you have experience doing it. Exactly. And that's part of my baggage. (laughs) (laughs) You've countless times gone from a math pace, and I I don't want to talk about math, but like I've seen you post like nine minutes down to like all of a sudden seven or like super quick. So you've got this ingrained knowledge that you've proven this over and over again. So the mind likes proof. It likes to see proof right. of things because then it really will believe. So you're so you're so past the moment where most people go out for a terrible run and they're like, I'm not 
why did I sign up for this race? I'm probably not going to train. I'm probably not going to be fit enough. But you go past that. And and so part of that that ties into that is that when I go out for a run, like my past experience is that, you know, I've had my math at 550 pace. That's my baseline. That's where I'm starting from. So when I see a number, I'm equating it to 550 pace or six or whatever. I've run 250 in an Ironman. So when I think of how I'm going to do, how I thought how I was going to do at St. George yesterday, I've got these very tight goals in there that are arrogantly too good. They're just overly confident. I'm going to, I'm going to bike 510 tomorrow. <laughs> like so delusional. <laughs> I'm going to swim 52. You know, I used to swim 52 easy. I casually swim 52. And so I'm starting, towing the line yesterday, I started with that idea. And it was never, I've never done an Ironman where I'm like, I'm just going to go and have fun and finish. That doesn't even exist in my world. I've never done an Ironman like that. 17 of them, not once did I start just thinking I was going to enjoy the experience. Well, I think that comes from your strong minds. Like you already believe you're going to finish it anyway. Like you're going to finish it no matter what. That was n- never even it's, a question. It's never a question. It's how fast are you going to finish it? It always comes down to that. Expect And expectations is a word that is a lot of things are hinged on that. Most things I would almost say are hinged on your expectations of the outcome you want. And if that's off, you're not going to enjoy what you're doing at all. And, and I hate to say, I hate to tell people to lower their expectations, but I, th- I think that you need levels of expectations where you, you have this base expectation. Mine should have been, I'm going to do an Ironman and just enjoy myself. If I finish in 17 hours, then great. There, we've got that out of the way. <laughs> and I don't know if I could actually have done that without bullshitting myself like lie to myself and say that. But um, like, I think that's a good idea to start with a, a certain um, worst case expectation and then allow the, the pointy end, more ego-driven expectations to come into play. Because um, I mean, the first question I ask a new athlete is what are your expectations? Like if an athlete comes to me and says, I want to do an Ironman, and I go, what are your expectations? I want to win the Ironman. Well, that changes everything. <laughs> now we now that changes the entire conversation. If they say, "I oh, I just want to finish and have fun," okay, now we got this whole other direction we're going to go. And so, all the training, the mindset, your family, your job, everything now comes into play as that expectation changes, right? So how do you know, how do you work with that? How do you work with changes in expectations? So I come to you and I'm like, "Hey, I want to qualify for." world championships um you start by looking at your past like what you've what you've done and if that's in that points you generally towards what's realistic and from there you go into how much time do you have available to put towards this and are you willing to do it i think the willingness to step up and do what it takes is really it's it's undervalued but at the same time i'm not sure people understand how much it takes Unless you're just wildly talented, if you want to, if you want to go nine hours in an Ironman, there's some work to do there. What does it take? Consistency. Most most of the time, it takes. Well, I I took a year, a full year of of diligent, knowledgeable, good body. Like my, I am so healthy. I had all these things lined up in my favor, and one year, and I. I melted down. <laughs> so, you know, I know in the past it was always a, a some guys use a three year rule. Uh, I think more realistically, if you're starting from scratch, a five year rule for a higher man to do to, co- to do well, qualify. Yeah. Um, and it's five years of, you know, making sure that you can swim hard for four, 4,000. And I'm not like 2,000, whatever. Three, I don't care. You got to hammer for four and then have it not do anything to your bike. Like you have to come out of that feeling fine, like you didn't swim. And then on the bike, you have to hold, you know, three watts per kilogram or whatever. Not three, but you have to, you know, if you're 150 pounds, you have to hold 210 watts for five hours. 
Never letting off the gas, ever. You don't lift your head out of the arrow bars. I mean, there's these really, these minutia that are, that are brutal. And then on the run, can you hold, can you run seven minute pace? All day. All day. Not for a marathon. No, I mean, is your recovery pace close to seven? <laughs> <laughs> like, zone one should be close to seven minute pace. And that's just to eke out a seven minute pace in an Ironman. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think that's another truth bomb, <laughs> Tim. Like, the depth of. Yeah. The it, depth of base. And that's what I noticed immediately. Like I, I knew from my, my training on the bike that I was going to massively decouple at four hours. I just, I knew it. There was no preventing it. And I didn't because I biked so easy and I, and it still kicked my butt. I mean, was, I came off the bike done. Yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. I averaged 126 heart rate and my, the beginning of my zone two is 135. I was 10 beats yeah. below zone two, and it messed me up. <laughs> that's how, was, that's my base is just not deep enough. You know? Was that just muscular endurance, or was that uh, nutrition, or was that it's, so many things? Yeah, I mean, to define endurance, we still don't know what the actual definition of endurance is, and, it, and it's really relative to what you're doing. You know, can you, I biked six hours, I've got endurance. But I wasn't able to. So muscular endurance, I guess, mm. is the, is the better term. Being for able it. to hold, I guess, a, a power, yeah. so even whatever power for a long period of time. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then have it uh, such a realistic power, like not a hard power. <laughs> it's not time trialing 112 miles. It's riding pretty easy for 112 and fast. Um, yeah, that's the key. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Easy but fast. Yeah. And that's yeah. like the math. You talk about math, which I don't want to talk about math either. But, I mean, being able to run 630 pace at math, that's fast. And that's really easy. That's kind of where you want to be. Yeah. So when I ran 250 at Ironman, which is 630 pace, my math was six-minute pace. And so I was 30 seconds slower than math, crushing myself. So let's put it in perspective. And I, I look at Christian, not to get into the winners either, but I look at Christian Bloomfeld's um, 238. <laughs> like that guy, unreal. Otherworldly. On, on this course. On this course, he biked 418 on this course. That's just... It's two hours. How do you beat almost that? Almost two hours more than I did. How do you beat that? Um... Well, Cam Morph did, but he didn't run really that well. <laughs> he did a 416, I think. And he also, it took him a while to catch. It did, I mean, yeah. Bloomfeld swam 48. <laughs> it, it's just remarkable what happened on that course yesterday. And I think it's, I actually think it's remarkable that anybody who finished yesterday is pretty, is pretty amazing. I think I, I yeah. saw a lot of carnage um, oh, yeah. out there. I, when I saw people walking so early on that first lap. I saw people walking on the bike. Oh, yeah, on Snow Canyon. Okay, the second, yeah. the second big climb. Yeah, yeah. Snow Canyon. Yes, right? yeah, yeah. Towards the top of that, I saw two guys walking that. It was it was real. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I categorized the courses like hilly, hot, and uh, howling winds. And I the, the one thing that really messed me up <laughs> was I hadn't spent any time in my arrow bars. I hate the trainer. And so I hadn't really been in my aero bars that much. And the roughness of the road, I became so sensitive. Like my skin, just the little bumps just drove me insane. I was mad. I was just pissed. This sucks. This is so awful. Just, just getting... The little like, cracks. Every yes. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And they felt like I was running over a curb. And just these little bumps <laughs> just felt so big to me. I just I thought that was funny. I was like, oh my god. This, so yeah. how do I how do you work with that dissatisfaction? Like you were, your ego was unsatisfied with that so, experience. It was really like it is at the same time it was ex- I, I loved being back in that 12-hour group. I've never been there. I have this entirely new outlook on it. Like I've watched tons of Ironmans and I've watched those 12 hour people 
come by, the people who are just dead. And standing on the side of the spectating is nothing. It's, it's, it's hilarious. You could even possibly think you know what's going on. Being in that moment is a, is a completely new experience for me. And I appreciate that. I value that a lot. Yeah, I, I, on, I mean, I wasn't going to go for Kona anyway. So if I would have gone, if I would have won my age group yesterday, I, I, I'm more happy now. Having melted down, having a horrible experience. Because I think that that's, pro- not probably, that's absolutely the majority. That's absolutely the average person to struggle to finish. Yet we bring focus to the Christian Blumenfelds and the people that are crushing it, training, doing, um, what kind of testing are they doing? Um, Everything. Everything. All of it. (laughs) Blood test, blood on the ear, like all the time. But that becomes what we see and what becomes normal and that that should be for us. But I think you shine a light on a pretty important piece of endurance sports. Let's let's take Ironman out of it. Mm -hmm. That you, people out there are just trying to challenge themselves and to try and finish something. And I've never had that. Even when I towed the line at the Leadville 100. Monumental run. It's, I don't, have you done 100? Don't. <laughs> Thanks for the confirmation. I, yeah. I'm definitely not, not going to do it now. They're so unhealthy. It's, it's not like if you could do that and have it be healthy, I would probably do another one. I felt after that race that I took a, a week off my life. It was so bad. But I, don't, I didn't struggle that much at Leadville. And it had a lot to do with my mental state. But it, 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 it yeah, just brutal. <laughs> Yesterday compared to yeah. Leadville. Yeah. I knew we- I would finish at Leadville. And my, my challenge at the time wasn't to finish. I knew I was going to finish. My challenge at the time was holding off the guy behind me or winning the race. Those are qualifiers that, that take out of the equation... I don't know if I can finish or not. Those are completely different things. And the same with Christian Bloomfeld. His challenge was holding six-minute pace. He wasn't finishing. <laughs> he knew what he had to exactly. hit to win. He was holding off Lionel Sanders or Braden Curry. And that was his struggle. It had nothing to do with what I went through or you went through or a majority of the people out on that course went through. Nothing to do with it. They're completely different mindsets. Christian Bloomfeld probably doesn't understand at all what we went through. He has no rec- he has no idea. And I didn't either until yesterday. <laughs> and I'm so happy for that. I, I, I think it turned out exactly the only way that it, it turned out the only way it could have for me to be happy. If I didn't recognize this, I would be miserable right now. Instead, I'm jazzed. Has a, has a past Lucho been frustrated with an an expectation that hasn't been delivered? Absolutely. Kona. That's my, that's the biggest part of my baggage. Mm. You know, in 2002, I was in 10th place with eighth, with ninth, eighth and seventh within, I think, three minutes of me. And I, I fell apart, and I, I walked, and I slipped to 12. That's profound. Like, that was a big, that's a big shift right there for me. Huge shift for me. So, so when you walked yesterday, because I saw you, I think I, yeah, we saw each other when mm-hmm. we were walking. Like, did that have any, did that bring up any? No. No. That, that was, again, it, it comes down to expectations and where you are in the race. Like, with Christian Bloomfeld holding off for the win. Mm-hmm. It, it's that pointy end stuff. Um, yesterday, I knew, I knew um, 40 miles into the bike that I was done. I, I knew it. <laughs> That's pretty early. It is. Well, it, it led man. I don't know if you heard the story at Leadman. I, I did the 10K the week before. Oh, I did the hunter bike and then the 10K. Yeah, explain, explain what Leadman is because we've probably talked about it. But Yeah, so it's all the Leadville race series, races, and you do them in a line. And I think at the time it was five races in seven weeks or eight weeks. And you start off with a marathon. And then you do, I did the 50-mile mountain bike. And then you do the 100-mile mountain bike. And then the next morning you do the 10K. 
And then five days later, you do the 100 run. And I got through the mountain bike, just, you know, I was three minutes behind the leader of Leadman. And I was going to take that back on the 10K. And I also wanted to win a race outright. So I got second in the marathon overall, not in Leadman, but overall. And I'm like, I can win this 10K. The, the, the course record was 36, or no, 37. 37, I think, was the, was the course record. Like, I, I can run 37. <laughs> I know, that's it. That, so there's baggage here, right? There's my expectations. That's six minute pace. And at 11,000, 12,000 yeah, feet? Yeah. And it's hilly. And, and I just did the 100 bike the day before. And anyway, the gun goes off, and there's like these three college kids showed up. And I didn't know it. And they took off, and I went with them. And I broke the course record and got fourth or third. <laughs> so mad. <laughs> but I wasted myself. I ran, I raced that 10K all out. And then five days later, I'm so sore that week. <laughs> I'm so sore. My quads were shattered. <laughs> Toe the line at the Leadville 100. And at mile 20, there's this really big descent. You walk down power line. Or you run down power line. Everybody was running down. I had to walk it because my quads were just wrecked at mile 20. And I had, and that was a, I remember that moment very profoundly. It's very vivid in my memory of thinking, I have to run 80 miles now. And I'm walking these downhills. And I think there was a really big shift in my, my belief in myself. I always had it, but nothing ever came hard for me. But I ran 80 miles with just completely nasty quads. And I caught the, the guy who was the guy, uh, the second place lead man guy blew by me because I'm walking. And he got quite a ways ahead. And then at the turnaround, we heard that he was not looking good. And so I started pushing at mile 50 to catch him. And I finally caught him up power line at mile 20. Um, and passed him for the win right there. And I did it. Like I, I really thought I wasn't going to be able to finish at mile 20. But the, the, the mind-blown idea that I have 80 miles to go running. <laughs> and I'm done now. I'm like shattered. It was profound. It was, it was a pretty cool thing to finish. How did you... so? <laughs> Because it sounds like you had it on Saturday, yesterday too. Because at mile forty, you're like, "This is, you know, that's, I'm that's done. what like, it goes to." It's like, you, you how just, do you work with it? You you don't think about it. That's how do you not think thing. about it? Just do what you can in the moment, and also get to like for me having my wife and kids out on the course hmm. was huge. I mean, I almost I'm going to start crying, but like seeing them was just so big. Ugh. And I wasn't going to let my kids see me quit. So that was it. Well, they see dad as... They do. They know dad mm-hmm. and they see dad as this yeah. pretty strong guy in his 50s. And for you to maybe ex- talk about expectations, for you to disappoint them yeah. would, be, would be hard. Unacceptable. Yeah. Um, but it was also good for them to see me so vulnerable, like to see me break down. And it's okay to do that. Mm-hmm. It really is, and I want them to know that. Yeah, so. you've been a. Uh, I've obviously known you since you had kids, and it, and you've just been a, a. I don't obviously don't see you every day, but I just through the podcast, and I can feel that you love being a dad. That you've oh, taken this, you've taken this seriously, and and even when we were working together, you were like, "This is really important to me." Like things have to take a back seat in other yeah. places of my life. Um, and so your kids, they did they have any feedback on you yesterday? Did they are they coherent um, of what you did or they're also coming at it from an angle where this isn't really anything new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they think this is just what I do. Like, oh yeah, my dad did an Iron Man. It's what he does. And so So there's kind of a cool thing to that because it's normalized. It is not, yeah. not like, oh my God, it's just normalized and so this is the expectation. And mm-hmm. you said one of your sons is what is he playing? Mountain bike. Mountain biking. Yeah, he's on the mountain bike high school team. So High school mountain bike team. And he qualified for state as a freshman. And he did a... I don't want to brag about my kids, but I will. Please um, do. We did a group ride in <laughs> Salida, Colorado. 
with the entire team, there was 74 athletes there. And they, the coaches, I mean, I have a lot of experience in the mountains, <laughs> a lot of biking in the mountains. And they showed me the course map and it was 30 miles and it climbed 3000 feet in the first seven miles. And I'm like, well, how long do you think this is going to take? And they're like, oh, it should take like, three or four hours. And I'm like, how much water are you guys bringing? Because <laughs> you're going to need like a ton. They're like, oh, we'll be fine. We got a, a aid station type thing set up. And so I start loading my son up with nutrition and all this stuff. And I'm like talking to him and talking to him. And I ran the first 15 with him, carrying, sherping water for my son. While he's cycling, you're running? Yeah. And he was at the front of the group, and I was at the front of the group, because you can always run faster than mountain biking, usually. Um, every kid dropped early, except my son. And poor coach, <laughs> although he asked for it. He's the one who said, we can do this. And he's the only one who finished with my son. And he, my, my son biked six and a half hours. Um, and he, he never considered quitting. He's like, oh, no, this is cruising i'd loaded him with a lot of nutrition though <laughs> none of the other kids did <laughs> i mean he had like full-on ironman race nutrition stuff like okay these are your two bottles i'm going to hand off two more bottles i want you to finish these by here and um anyway that's how important it is though that's how important it is uh nutrition is but also um to gauge the course yeah to see into, all the things expectations yeah. and so that he has he i mean that's how i work with him and I'm not overbearing, I, pray, I swear. But, um, you know, he, he, that's his mentality. He's like, I'm just going to... I don't think a kid who has a dad who doesn't do anything like this would maybe have that, but I don't know. But I was so proud of him. He's like, I, no, I'm not going to quit. Are you kidding? <laughs> it's only six and a half hours. <laughs> um, and he's also really into weightlifting. Which you were. Oh, well. I was obsessed. Yeah, I'm so excited to get back to that. Yeah, so what excites you? What ex- what's exciting you now? I have like, a track race in four weeks. <laughs> so right back to the opposite extreme. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited. I'm going to start with the 200, and then I'm going straight to the 800. So 800s. Um, so we <clears throat> incorporate a lot of 800s into our Ironman yeah. training. Brutal like, distance. But not, you know, it's that comfortably uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You just repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, how, how do you train? How do you train for this like 200 800 because that's sort of like those are just two extremes as well. well i'm not training for the 200 i'm oh, going to okay. use the 200 as a foundation to get some speed back you like but, 200 yeah oh i love the 200 it's it's so when i started doing track racing um i did a really deep dive into educating myself on the physiology and the training and everything that goes involved or is involved and i started and i'm not joking it is more complicated than a marathon. The 200 meter is. I'm, I would die by that. The marathon is, is relatively simple. Like you're, when you're looking at energy systems and the training involved and all this stuff, the 200 has just these, you know, you're working through three different energy systems. There's a, a, a fairly high level of endurance involved. But it's not the endurance that we think about. That's what I was saying with endurance. It's so relative to the distance. Mm-hmm. If you want to run 100, 100 miles, that's one thing. If you want to run a 400, 400 is predominantly an endurance-based event. But it's, it's, a, it's a messed up type of endurance. <laughs> but that's it's what intrigues you, isn't it? It's, it's what... It does. The challenge is incredible. And also coming from... It's, it's so new and different that it's all just fresh. And I look forward to the workouts. I'm antsy for the workouts. I didn't feel that once in this Ironman build. I dreaded every minute of it. But you had you had the compelling feeling that this mm-hmm. is something compelling. you needed to do. Oh, that's that's the word right there, and that's that's it. You nailed it. I was compelled to do it. Yeah. Which brings me to something we were talking about too a little bit, but this this higher something, mm-hmm. this higher pull. Yeah, what is that? Spirituality, mm-hmm. energetic, light, whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. Um, you have to look, you have to be open to that though, I think. How, do you, how are you open to it? I uh, Experience? Not experience. I don't know. I think it has a lot to do with your upbringing. 
and what you're taught. It's a, it's a little bit of a nurture thing. I don't know nature-wise. I think you have to start off with the willingness to open your mind. I, I see a lot of people who just aren't willing to do that on a deep level. Like they're just not self-aware. And they're not necessarily aware of, of where they fit into the world, big picture-wise. And what, what it all means. And they, they aren't willing to go look for it. Yeah, smooth-brained. <laughs> they just don't have anything there. <laughs> right? They're not really thinking beyond their cup of coffee or well, they've, whatever. They've got this nice place yeah, the that comfort they've zone. created. Mm-hmm. They've created everything. We have, we have the choice always. Always. Always have a choice. Yeah. So I agree with you. A lot of us like that box because uh, it's comfortable and it's known and we know who we are. Well, I think you can go in and out of that box. I think there's, there's, I mean, I fall into that box. There's times in the evening where I just want to be in that box, man. I don't want anything outside of that. (laughs) I am done. And I just want to watch like a really crappy TV show and just turn my brain off. (laughs) Turn my computer off. Escape. Escapism. Escape. Yeah. Escape reality. But there's people who are live in the box. But I, I think I think the the one thing about endurance sports in, that's unique is that we have this opportunity to spend these profound number of hours in our own head. You, you take somebody who works 50 hours a week at a desk and they've got kids they don't have that time. They wake up in the morning, they're just go, go, go. And they're focused on all these things, this harsh reality. They go to the office, they sit there, they're working ugh, 15 hours a week in a desk. Ugh. And um, then they rush home, cook dinner, get their kids ready for bed. They've got this really finite period of time where we're like, I'm going to go do a three-hour run, man. I'm going to go look at some trees and just ponder the world and expose myself. We talked a little bit before this about being raw. And I don't think that you can, I think in order to become emotionally raw, you have to go through some type of trauma, right? And I'm not saying trauma is a bad thing. I think that at the base level, trauma is what makes us better. Struggle, all these things. But you don't just sit there on the couch eating a bowl of cereal, watching TV, and become emotionally raw. <laughs> I mean, some, you know, you've got depression or something. Yeah, sure. But we put ourselves in that. We seek that out. We go, you go out to run three hours or bike six hours or whatever you want to do to, to expose that. We seek that out. And so I think if you were talking to the average person, they wouldn't understand at all what we're talking about. They're like, why would you want to do that? And you and I are like, why wouldn't you want to do that? <laughs> yes. It's the only way that you're going to expand your mind. Especially where you, like, the introspection is so profound. How much you can, how your mindset changes over the course of, of this really long struggle. Like how you think it sitting on the couch before your run versus how you think at the very end of it when you're just struggling. Like there's just such a huge shift there. I I might've gotten off track. No, I think that's, that's so in line. I think sharing your own personal experience because you've done a lot of work on yourself, on the mind. Tons, yeah. And I like this connection. I never thought about this before because we're big on Mindset training in the in the realm of you know take a few moments in the morning with yourself sit down mm-hmm. be still be quiet watch the thoughts but you kind of opened up a, another piece of comparing the person in the office in in the world versus going out for a run because you know I've been guilty of saying you know running is not the same as meditation because you're still moving but it's much better. Than being in the being in the office with constant stimulus and judgment and competition and stress than it is to be out in nature challenging your own your own body and your own belief system without the judgment of the tree. I mean, all you have is the trees and um, a trail mm-hmm. um, would be ideal. So I think I think that's the laboratory. 
to work on your mind. And you've yeah. got severe cred in that in that area where you've constantly because I know you're working through things. I can sense that. Yeah, but I yeah, we're not going out with the goal to to no, it, it, but they appear. I slip into that immediately at this point. <laughs> I, I just fall right into it. Step one: Let's do it. Let's start talking to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I remember once you went, um, you did your night the night run up and up when you started when you moved up there first, mm-hmm. and I think you. Oh, I like, did a what? lot of really gnarly runs. I shouldn't have done. I should have. <laughs> I never carried a phone. I didn't have anything. My wife didn't know I left. Like three in the morning, and I'm out in the middle of this massive national forest in three feet of snow. No trail. Just breaking trail. I'm lost. I don't know where I am. (laughs) What's out there? It's crazy. I remember (laughs) during a blizzard, it was a pretty strong, kind of a blizzard, and I'm running, and I pick up this game trail, and there's just suddenly all these mountain lion tracks, and there's like five pairs, and they're pretty fresh, and I just keep following them. I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm getting, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And I knew there were mountain lions because at one point, one of the adults had jumped this log and it was like a 20 foot jump. I'm like, well, that's not, <laughs> that's a big span. Um, and after maybe 15, 20 minutes, I just suddenly realized how stupid this was and turned around. <laughs> but I would do like, yeah, three in the morning with a headlamp. Would you say the fast track to understanding? How you, how you how your brain works and who you are to to a sense comes from just compiling experience after experience that are in that put you in challenging or not challenging but moments where it it's it's not comfortable. Yeah, I think I think it's the willingness to do that, the willingness, the yeah. drive, the, the willingness to be self to be introspective, and the willingness to seek out more and to understand that there is more out there. There's something bigger. There absolutely is. What is it? I don't know. You tell me. I'm f- I'm on my way. That's why I keep doing this stuff. Like, yeah. I don't I don't think you're gonna ever find it. No, you'll it's, find it's, it, but it's the it's that journey. You know. The you cliche. think you'll find it? I don't think I'll find oh, it. Oh yeah. And I'm on the pursuit yeah. to. Yeah, I think just the, be the the basic awareness that there is more to this than than our little world is is probably not the end goal. But I think it's what ultimately is going to make us better people. It's just this under this nurturing and caring of the greater good, or the, the big picture, or that we are just this small cog in the wheel. I mean, there's a, a ton of metaphors or whatever you want for it. Um, but I don't think that you're ever going to reach the goal. But it's the seeking of, it's the journey to that, and the seeking of it that is, that's it. It's the looking for it that that's it. The angle maybe it doesn't. You'll never find it. So why keep looking? So go back because to, looking is it. <laughs> it's the it's the it's the thing. It's the thing. It, it is. Yeah. So for those saying, oh, when, once I get to Kona, then I'll have all the happiness and success, and I'll be put on the map as. Oh God, no! That's, that's absurd. That's yeah. It's outcome oriented. Yeah, it's a, it's the expectation again. So if you if you become introspective with the expectation that you're going to solve your problems, you don't know. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Did you solve anything yesterday? Nah. Was again, it? the only no. thing that I think that yeah. really has hit me hard is just the empathy and understanding of of that struggle. Like I've coached athletes who have been in this position, and. My words to them were ignorant. They have to be, because I was never there. So now I can be like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I got it. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> That's the, uh, the believe it before you see it. Like, you believed it. Oh, yeah, I saw and it. And you helped your athletes, sure. right? But now you've seen oh, it. And now it's it. like cemented. Like, yeah. okay. This is legit stuff that these people are working through. Yeah. Or I should say, everybody's working through some level of it. Like mm-hmm. Christian's still working through something at six-minute pace while I'm walking just to sure. get there. It's just, we're all working with sure. something that's we're resisting. We're resisting what is. Yeah. So I've broadened my experience and I've broadened my knowledge, which I think is just incredibly valuable. 
Like it's 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 everything. When you can learn something, especially what? something that will help other people, right? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm never doing this again. So <laughs> it what? didn't help me. You're not. <laughs> I, well, yeah, maybe. And Power Man's often getting in Switzerland. It's all. No more Iron Man though. For right now. No. I'm not going to say never because I said I know, it before, right, yeah. and here I am. So I, I could see myself when I'm 60 and my son wants to do one. Mm. <laughs> um, then, then maybe, but yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say never. But I have no desire to do one. But it's fun to play. You know, you're 50, 50, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'll be 50 next year. Um, but. Uh, it's not that I want to do something when I'm 50. I just want to be able to exactly have the ability to to pick up Clark if I need yeah. to and not have my back go out or yeah. you know to move gear in and out as I pack for a race, to be honest. And, and I think the racing is just the icing on the cake. But I want to be physically, mentally alert and aware as I continue to age, not having age be a, a sentence to right. uh, how I can perform. Which I think has become endemic in this country. Not to go off on that, because but I will. Well, it's a number, right? <laughs> it's what we're conditioned. Yeah, the average person. Oof. And it, the biggest insult that I could give you right now, BJ, you're just average. Ooh, whoa, that's fighting words right there. That's <laughs> like, an insult. I, I, yeah, and it's it's just sad that we've come this far. I mean, you're old enough to remember when it wasn't this. You know, when when I was a kid, fifty year olds were. Where I grew up were these badass farmers that were just throwing bales and amazing. Now I, yeah, I'll shut up. But. No, this is, it's valid. I mean, it, it just, it, it, it addresses awareness of social mm-hmm. restraints that say once you, and, and we have both, we have both in our own way um, sought Another direction mm-hmm. that goes against the norm. Yeah, constantly. Yeah, goes constantly. against the norm. Constantly. I, I definitely was a little bit later to the game, for the most part. But I feel, I feel there's no other way. Right. I, I could there not. Isn't. And knowing where I was and where I am now, I could never go back. Well, that's what I was saying initially. It was like oh, I'm going to be training anyway. Might as well do an Ironman. Like that's just what I do. Might as well put put it towards something. <laughs> but I, it doesn't even matter to me. Yeah, again, the outcome doesn't it doesn't, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The I, outcome is is yeah, being able to do stuff. The growth. Just pick something. I don't I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um today is uh the law it's the law of dharma. It's the spiritual. What is that part um, of? Uh I think it's this uh I talked to Jess this morning and it's these uh this cards that she gets. Okay. Um, and today uh, just happens to be law of Dharma when I was talking to her, which means you are um, you have faith and trust that miracles will unfold. Um, so with that, what um, what's your purpose? What do you think your purpose is here? Here now mm-hmm. at this Ironman? No, here in oh in the world. Yeah, let's go bigger. Raise raise good kids. Um, make my wife happy. I've done everything I need to do. I think my purpose now is to make other people's lives better. Because I've had a blessed, amazing, easy life. I mean, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't. I would do everything the same because it's been so good. Um, I want to give my kids that, and I want my wife to be, you know, happy and satisfied and. Not put her through this anymore. <laughs> She's so worried. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably it. Yeah, it's certainly not. Like my purpose certainly isn't has nothing to do with me. Like my purpose isn't. I want to be happy when I'm seventy. No, no. <laughs> I've had fifty years of happiness. It's time to try to give that to to others. You are. I think you are, I think, in yeah. in your own community, immediate community, so your family, but also I think um, I got to say through, you know, our interaction and then spreading to my community and then being on the Endurance Planet podcast for, I don't know, 11 years? Something like that. 
um, sharing your perspective and your insight it's with a little harsh sometimes. But I think it's, it's, <laughs> well, that's what right gravitated one. me to you. Yeah. Like I needed the knock to say, you know, keep it so simple. Like to just be straightforward and, and yeah. brutal honesty and truth. It's the only thing that works. Yeah. Um, so tell me about your day. Was it the hardest Ironman you've done? I can't say it's the hardest I've done. I DNF'd in Coeur d'Alene. Um, and I, I think uh, I walked away from Ironman. That's when we made our move from Boulder back to right. New England. That was pretty tough on me. Right. Um, but I have not, like you, I have not experienced this in a long time. Walking, just trying to finish. Yeah. Working with dizziness and mm-hmm. and the awareness that you can do this, it, it just may take a different form, and being okay with that. Yeah, knowing that I I'm in this community, and people expect again that he knows. That's you know, a big one. Yeah, that's a big one for me. Yeah, yeah. As, as you you fabricate these expectations of other people. You like I think the X number of people are going to be disappointed if I don't do this and. What is it? What's the old saying? Is the the people that matter don't care, and the people that don't care don't matter, or something like that? That's pretty good. I can't remember. I'll what take it that. Is. That makes sense. Something like that. Um, yeah, everybody who knows you and loves you, they're just going to be happy for you. Period. You could quit. They'd be like, "Good call, BJ. I'm proud of you." So the people who have these expectations of us that we don't know or whatever, that's on them. If I disappoint you, you screwed up. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> you have misguided expectations. Yeah, it just stirs things up in there. But it's there. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's this little piece of weight that adds a load to your mentality or your, in the back of your brain. Weighs on you a little bit. I'm I'm not capable of letting that go. Well, you must to some level, because you can you continue to do this. So, yeah. but you're still working. But you still have that. It's there. It's and it's I, in I your can't awareness. I can't just be like, well, I don't care what people think. I can't do that. I do care what people think, <laughs> and I'm not really. I've never tried to change that. I think it's good. To, I think it's good in a way, to. To have that awareness that, that people are watching, don't screw up, or you know, <laughs> it's also good to keep you on your toes to continue to be you. That's what I mean. Yeah, is don't change because of them. Right, right, mm. right, right. Yeah, that was a good day. I was so psyched to see you out there. Oh man. If I, I, I think I told you that if my family wasn't waiting for me at the finish, I might have waited for you and just finished with you. Oh, that would have been cool. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> but again, we have like people out there. Because totally... you were catching me. I was. I, was... I swear there was a turnaround. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's right there. I should just wait. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long turnaround. I really I think thought you were going like, to catch me. Yeah. I was, I was holding it together for a little while. Yeah, you were. Um, and I wasn't. I was like, he's going to catch me. I'm yeah, so I, excited. When I saw you, the first time I saw you, you were talking to someone. No, we so, first saw each other, you yelled at me. And then the second time you were talking to someone. Yeah, I stopped a bunch and talked to a bunch of people. Which was cool. Yeah. Um, did they recognize Endurance Planet t-shirt? or Not or too t- many, but no. a few did, yeah. yeah. Did they just know you or they were just talking to yeah, you? Yeah, they, they just knew Yeah. And then we saw each other on that. In between the park and yeah, the we just church. both stopped. We both or no, like, the second time we just both started. Yeah, we're just like, <laughs> we're like all oh right, my God, what is going on here? Give a big hug. <laughs> it was awesome. It was really a good moment. It was, it was one of the top highlights of my race. Me was too. Just seeing you and just connecting with you right there when we're both just <laughs> we're both done. I was like, I, if Tim's walking, I might just walk with him and skip the rest of the course, and who cares? Oh no, <laughs> I would have. I would have probably turned around and walked back towards you and met you, and then we kept going, but. Yeah, I didn't. I was. My wife was so worried. I didn't want to. I yeah. didn't want to keep her. Yeah, but uh, that would have been an r- exceptional thing. Well, it was just cool to know that you were out there, and it was cool to um, to do another Ironman with you. This one I knew you were at. The first one I had no idea yeah. you were at. I didn't know who you were. Um, but you have impacted my life, and uh, and 
Uh, I know it's tough to take those those compliments sometimes, but um, in the community that we've created at Yogi Triathlete, a lot of the a lot of the beliefs I have, or the, a lot of seeds that were planted early on, came from you. And I, and I'm sure you do this with everyone that you talk to and work with. But it's what you, it's how you water those seeds and how they grow inside you, and what direction yeah. you take. And I think that propelled me to end up being a coach when I had everything, you know, all set in my world: the house, debt free, full time yeah. job, uh, just. Perfect. You leapt out of your comfort zone. I did. I remember that. I I remember looking at you going, holy cow, that's awesome. Like you were just diving in. You jumped out of a plane without a parachute. It was so cool. Yeah. It was so, so cool. <laughs> it was. I was so proud of you. <laughs> it takes a lot. It takes a lot. But again, I knew it was I knew something was on the other side. I knew something higher was at play and I knew that I need to follow this. You're the type of person who does that, you will never fail. It will always end up well for you. I believe that. Yeah. Even if what I expect in the moment is not what is in alignment, I know that it's happening for some reason. Yeah. Like to like yesterday happened for some I wasn't supposed to crush the race. Like it, there's just something to pull away from it and I pull away a few things, but I, but there's more. I believe in that too. I I I look for signs like that. And I'm kind of superstitious like that. <laughs> Oh boy, did you have any superstitions like race morning or during the race at all? No. No, I think I was so flat before. Like I just knew it wasn't going to go well. I didn't need I didn't <laughs> I need any it. signs. I love that you like trained where you trained, did what you did, jumped in, knew things were going to be and you still kept going and yeah. now you're here and you're you're smiling and yeah. and um and in appreciation yeah. and gratitude. I try to ask I've asked a lot of people this question, and I try to ask myself that. And before you do something in 10, 20 years, are you going to look back and regret it? And I think that's a, a pretty good barometer for something. You know? Like I, it could come down to in the moment. Like you're at a bar. Some guy mouths off, mouths off to you. You probably don't get in that situation, but I used to. If a guy mouths off to you, in 10 years, are you going to look back at this and just really wish you hadn't done what you're going to do? Or, you know, you moving to California, that leap, that's one of those things where I think that you would look back in 10 years and regret not doing it. And that's a big one, too. Because I see that with, with the, the corporate group. The, you know, they're, they're 60 They've spent their entire life, either in school or a job, and they've just ground, ground themselves down. And they look at somebody like you or me, and we're just like these freestyle, carefree, and we're doing great. And they're like, damn it, I should have done that. <laughs> That's the ultimate regret right there to me. It's never too, it's never too late to start. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I have hope. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think. You, again, you have to have this certain baseline of, of awareness and mentality to be able to do it. There are, there are people out there who can't do what you did. They can't. It doesn't add up on paper is what I'm finding. A lot of people get logical and yeah. it doesn't make sense well, that's, to leave. and They got a mortgage and two car payments. That's and, just stuff though. And they're working their job only to pay for those. Those people are trapped. They're truly trapped. But... Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, to wrap this up. Yeah, we're um, we're going way off the rails here <laughs> to wrap this up. But I think it's important as coaches, like, to understand that um, we we can like we can give you plans, we can give you the motivation, we can you know support you. But the athletes desire to want to perform. The athletes desire to be better. The athletes desire to get out on the other side of the front door in the morning. Ultimately, comes down to their will, yeah, absolutely. And determination, yeah. When you, I, I, I use this analogy sometimes is when you, when your alarm goes off in the morning, do you turn that alarm off with your VO two max, <laughs> or your FTP, or whatever metric you want to use in training? Like, no, you turn that off because you want to turn the alarm off and start your training. The physical comes way secondary to everything that's between your ears. 
Christian Blumfeld wants to do what he does. There is somebody out there, I guarantee it, that is a better athlete than him, who probably is working in a fast food restaurant and smoking cigarettes. Physiologically, he is superior to Christian Blumfeld. But he doesn't want to do what Christian does. That's the, that's the difference, right? Christian Blumfeld is not the best athlete in the world. He's, he's the one who's the most motivated, though. Same with Kipchoge. I mean, there, there are Kenyans and Ethiopians who are just as good as him physically. But they just don't have the brain. And that's everything. So I, 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 I'm super hyper aware of the idea that the physical ability is not even, it's a shadow compared to your mental strength and motivation and willingness and positivity. Positivity is everything. Everything. <laughs> it really is. Oh, I'm going to end it right anyway, there. That's yeah. awesome. That is so cool. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for joining yeah. joining me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, we could do this all the time. Oh, I could you do, do, do it all the time. I do it all the time. <laughs> I could do this for another 10 hours. Um, where can people find you um, when you do post on social media? Uh, I'll, I have an Instagram. I'll put links to you. Yeah, it's Rana Lucho, back. maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Do you still have your blog? The Job I haven't Daddy? updated it in years. Mm-hmm. That's an extensive library right there. Is though. it still available? Is it still yeah. online? Yes, yeah, so there's like 1,200 posts, and it goes all the way back to Leadman. All the and I used to do really detailed training stuff, and then it, it ended up growing into. Well, no, it started with a marathon, and then moved into ultras, and then fly fishing. That's right. And then a bunch of leather work. Oh my god! Birthday cakes. Birthday cakes. Um, introspection stuff. Like I'm, I'm pretty open on there, and then it just kind of tapered off. Yeah, I'll put a link to that. Uh, I'll, I'll put the link in there. It's really wealth of information. There's so much stuff in there. So, so much. There's, I think, 1,200 posts. Range and depth yeah. of information. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for your uh, time. I appreciate, I appreciate you it. having me. Until it's an honor. Time. Thank you.